going to jump into a time of uh, teaching from the Word. We're going to be in Ephesians 2 today. It's on page 566 if you're using one of the blue Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, feel free to grab, uh, stand up and grab one at any point. They're on the communion tables in the back. Um, but before we do, you know, I was just thinking this week, um, you know, I, I was you know, at a Preds game and it reminded me of this. Go Preds, right? Uh, but I, I was just reminded of the way that we in society and in culture often divide ourselves from other people. You know, this is a really petty way, but you know, when uh, I'm from Alabama, so there's like deep rooted like Alabama versus Auburn. Maybe you have that sort of rivalry uh, if you support some type of sports team. Uh, but you know, that's one of the ways that we divide ourselves. We sort of set up a wall like we're on this side and you're on that side, and we don't like you. You know, and and uh, so that's that's kind of one way we do it. But I was you know thinking about all the other ways in our lives that we often do this, the ways that we set up barriers. You know, we, we set up political barriers, right, in our, our culture specifically. You know, turn on the news. Um, it's a dangerous thing to do. Uh, sometimes you just leave sad. Um, and, uh, but, but it doesn't take long to see that there's just divides, there's walls, there's barriers where we set up other people against ourselves. You think uh, maybe even on a deeper level, if you look around the world, uh, the barriers of race, and the way that works itself out in culture, often with hatred and, and violence. You, know, you think about some of the things in, in just less than 100 years from the, the Armenian genocide in Turkey in the 1915 to 1920 range with over a million people dying. Think of the Holocaust in Germany, massacres in Rwanda in the 1990s. Even today, places like Israel and Palestine, just nations and cultures and races setting up barriers and, and uh, putting up divides between people. And I was thinking about, um, you know, this week, you know, maybe you and I aren't looking out our windows or going throughout our lives, and we, we don't uh, normally encounter that level of atrocity in our lives, um, but we all encounter people that are different than us. Um, we all encounter people that have differences that uh, we, we sometimes even subconsciously have barriers with. And I was thinking about our country this week and just how crazy it is, the trajectory that our country is on in, in regards to diversity. Um, you know, right now our country, country's minority population makes up about 30% of the U.S. Uh, and, and in about 20 years, it's going to be over 50 or 60% of our country. So the minority will actually become uh, the majority of our country. I was thinking about the Hispanic population in particular, projected to triple in the next 30 years, uh, becoming over 30 or 40% of our country's population. And I don't know how you grew up uh, in regards to diversity of people that are different to you, cultures, races, and, and like this, but I grew up in a, in a place where it's just really easy to ignore. Uh, it was so much easier just to ignore and be indifferent to diversity rather than embrace it and uphold it as important. Um, you know, it's, it's just more comfortable to, to, to do that, right? And, and I think whether we realize it or not, um, we can often find ourselves putting up barriers between uh, who we are and the people that we acknowledge have differences with us, sometimes on purpose, sometimes differently. And so eventually, I think we, if we're followers of Jesus, have to wrestle with how are we gonna respond to this, uh, this diversity in our world? Uh, what are we going to do? What, what is the Christian, the follower of Jesus to do in light of all this? You know, is it, is it threatening that our, our situation is changing somewhere? Is it exciting? Do we feel like we don't want to lose our place in the culture? Are we embracing what God might do in the kingdom through how things are changing? You know, our, our cultural identity, our, our, our political, racial, some of these things just run so deep. But I think in the kingdom, differences um, are, are not barriers, 
Uh, it's a place of beauty uh, in the kingdom of God. So that's what we're going to talk about today out of our text in Ephesians. We're going to talk about just racial reconciliation, diversity, you know, so easy topic on Mother's Day that we're just going to tackle. Um, but this is, one of the, this is one of the beauties of going verse by verse through a book in the Bible is that sometimes you just kind of hit a section and you're like, you can't escape what God might want to say to you personally or to your community or to your life. So that's kind of where we are. You, you, we can't escape this text without talking about this. So we're going to wrestle with it a little bit, um, Lord willing, um, that he would help us. So turn to Ephesians 2, verses 11 through 22, page 5 to 66, if you're using one of our Bibles. And uh, we'll jump in here together. Um, and as we do, I, I want to frame it by thinking, um, anybody take the SAT or the ACT as they're preparing for college, right? So if you ever took one of those prep courses and they're preparing you for the reading section, they always say like, you can't read the whole thing. You don't have enough time. So you like read the first sentence and the last sentence and, and you kind of get the gist and then you try and do your best. And, and I think Paul sort of helps us out by including some really important things at the beginning of this section of the text and at the end. So I, I want to start by looking at the beginning, looking at the end, and then we'll kind of circle back around and, and see what's there in the middle. Okay, so let's start with verses 11 through 22, Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. Paul says, therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So Paul begins with these first two verses in 11 and 12, and he's describing um, a separation between a people called the Gentiles and a people called the, the Jews. And we're a lot more familiar normally with the, the Jewish people, um, but the Gentiles are also an important um, people in, in this time. So I want to describe what you need to know about these groups of people first. So um, the divide between the Gentile and the Jewish people was, was not small or simple or shallow. It was huge. So the Jewish people uh, were the, the, the heritage of the Israelite people from the Old Testament, and anyone else was called a Gentile. Any other person that was not um, racially and culturally and ethnically Jew was, was a Gentile. So um, first of all, this, this divide was religious. So you think about all the ways that the Jewish people would think of themselves as set apart. You know, we were chosen by God as the Israelites. Like our bloodline goes back to Abraham, right? Um, we have access to the one true God. Um, everyone else does not. They're worshiping little G gods, pagan gods. You know, that's sort of the divide that was between the Jewish people and the Gentile people. The first, it was religious divide. Secondly, it was cultural. So they had all these practices that they would set up to divide themselves from other people and culture, the Gentile people. So it, noted, it notes things like circumcision or dietary regulations, rules of cleanliness, and all of that was just to set the Jewish people apart from the Gentile people. Lastly, it was a racial divide. So um, literally, these people's bloodline came from, uh, the, the, uh, from Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, you know, these people we read about in the history of the church in the Old Testament. And so, so this divide here was big or even bigger than any divide that we see in our world today for thousands of years. I mean, racially, culturally, religiously, there's this huge divide. And you can imagine the pride and, and the way that those Jewish people kind of thought of themselves. Like, we have access to God. We're set apart. We're like, we are the people that God cares about. And everyone else is sort of on 
the opposite side. And so Paul here in, in the book of Ephesians, writing to the early church um, of Gentiles, is who he's writing to. And he's, he's saying, remember how things used to be. You were separated from God. That's kind of how he begins. He uses that language of separated from the covenants of promise. And, and right there, he's talking about all the promises that God made to the Israelite people of restoration and of hope and redemption. Um, all these promises, he said, you have no access to that. that. That's how you were. You had no hope and you had no God because you weren't even worshiping true gods. And, and he's describing this divide between the Jewish people and the Gentile people. They were cut off. That's where he begins. So let's jump down to verse 19 and see how Paul ends. And he's gonna describe how things have changed between these, these two people. So follow along with me. Verse 19. He says, so then you are no longer strangers or aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So he ends and describes this totally different situation. Saying, okay, you used to be this way, but now you're not strangers, you're not separated, you're not aliens, um, but you are fellow citizens, Jew and Gentile, part of the same household of God. And he's saying it's growing into this new temple where God himself is gonna dwell in his spirit. So he's talking about the church there, how God dwells in the people. And so this is sort of God's goal for humanity in our salvation, to, to have one people that's free from barrier and united in its love for God. That's sort of what Paul's describing there. So I was just kind of thinking this week, like what happened? Like how, how did we get from total separation, thousands of years of racial, uh, social, and religious division to this new people that's like part of the same household and united in love for Jesus? Like what happened? So let's Let's read um, verses 13 through 18 and, and see. And we could spend like a month on just these five verses. They're so rich. But um, we're going to leave some questions unanswered for the sake of the main point here. But let's read these, these five verses here, starting in verse 13. Paul says, but now, always important when, when you see a shift like that. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made us both, that's important, made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself, a key phrase here, one new man or one new humanity in place of the two. So making peace and might reconcile us both to God and one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both, Jew and Gentile, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So what happened? Jesus died and rose again. That was the hinge point. That's what changed everything for these people. So the text is trying to describe how Jesus, through his death on the cross, removes what he calls this dividing wall of hostility, not only between people and God, between people and people, Jew and Gentile. It, it removes the dividing wall. Uh, that's what the cross does. So think about it this way. You know, the biggest wall of hostility that exists in the universe was between humanity and God, that, that humans set up between themselves and God through their sin and through their rebellion. 
And so we, we became hostile to God in, in, in our sin. And, and the scriptures will say, God did not return hostility to us, but returned to us with love and with grace in Jesus. Jesus becomes human and in dying, breaks down the wall between us and God, that separation that the text is talking about. And now, because of that, what, what the text says, that now we, are, we have access to God. Where we were once separated, now we have access. So it's, we, we've studied this in Ephesians 2 earlier on the past few weeks of how we used to be spiritually dead and now we're spiritually alive. Uh, it's the same idea here. We used to be completely separated from God, hostility, and now the hostile wall is broken down and there's access and presence of God's spirit. So hear me here. It, it doesn't just involve our individual relationship between us and God. This, if I could describe it as a vertical relationship. It, it, that's not all that he, Paul's talking about here. He says, that's part of it, but it also affects the horizontal relationships we have in the world. So the work of Jesus on the cross is to bring together people, to reconcile people, so that whatever anger or disgust or prejudice or fear or indifference that existed in our hearts and other people would be done away with. So the death of Jesus was not just for my soul, between me and God. The death of Jesus was for you and me, like between us, between your and I's relationship. So not like metaphorically, not just um, kind of like all the way, breaking down the wall of hostility between people. And this, this idea of dividing walls isn't super common for us. Um, it might be if like build one between us in Mexico, maybe that'll be like super apparent for us. You know, we think of the Berlin Wall, we think of the Great Wall of China. I don't think that was broken down. I haven't seen that movie. Uh, I think it's still there. Um, but uh, you know, the, where Matt Damon is the Chinese guy, it's like, what? Like, um, but you know, we, we're sort of familiar with like dividing walls a little bit, but this would have been so tangible for them in their culture. Um, I'll describe it this way. In, in Israel, in Jerusalem, there's a, a, the Jewish temple. Um, and I'll, I'm actually going there in a few weeks for, uh, for a couple weeks. It's going to be amazing. I'll take pictures and, and, uh, and I'll show you when I get back. But in the temple, there are all these courts and dividing walls. So in, in the temple, only Jewish priests were allowed. Only Jewish priests. And, and uh, only the high priests could go into the most holy place, the Holy of Holies, because that's where the, the presence of God was. And outside the temple, there were these three courts. So the first one... It's called the court, um, court of Israel, and it was only for circumcised male Jews. That's where they could be, court of Israel. And then there were all these walls. And then the next one was the court of women. So only Jewish women could be in that court. And then another dividing wall. And then outside of that was the court of the Gentiles. So the Gentiles were on the very, very far off. So they, they encountered these dividing walls every day in their life. And Paul is saying here, Christ has literally destroyed those walls. Like they're, they're gone in, in the church. And I just want you to think about how crazy this would be. Like if we set up our worship space like this, like we had a curtain hanging from the rafters and the ethos staff would just like be right here, like having a little Bible study Devo. And we're like worshiping like us in a circle. And then all the men could sit in the chairs in the room, all the men that were part of ethos. And then the women could kind of stand on the outside, look through the windows and then anybody who wasn't, apart from, or who wasn't a part of ethos had to like stand off the property and sort of like catch a wind of like, okay, what's going on in there? That's sort of what, what's happening here. And, and Paul is saying, all of that is done away with. We're all one in Christ Jesus. So he's not talking about this in the abstract. In Galatians, uh, Paul would say it in a different way. In Galatians 3.28, he uses this language of how we're now one in Christ. So he says, um, in Christ, there's neither Jew or Greek, 
slave nor free, male nor female. We're all one in Christ. So he's just breaking down those walls that had previously separated people and saying, we're all, we have equal access to God, equal standing with God and in the community. I was reading one, uh, one pastor this week, her name is Sally Brown, and she says this about the text. And this is just beautiful, way better than I could say it. She says, this text is meant to do more than coax cozy congregants towards compromise. This text is meant to shake empires. It undermines every system that secures insider distinction and top-down privilege that sets up barriers that identify some as outsider or inferior to the others. And the new household of God is not a purely spiritual reality that we visit briefly on Sundays, a weekly timeout where we pretend peace is possible by sitting next to people that we would probably avoid during the week. The church is a daring practice of new politics, a different kind of power that is self-outpoured, boundary crossing the power of Christ's cross. And we trust this power, letting it undermine every wall until we are, as the text says, built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. Isn't that beautiful? So I think what what it's saying here is that the closer we get to God, the closer we should get to other people, particularly those that are different than us. Maybe if we were to rephrase Galatians 3.28 for today, we could say there's no longer black or white. There's no longer Hispanic or Asian or Russian or American or upper class or lower class, rich, poor, male, female. We're all one in Christ Jesus. And where there is division in the world, there's opportunity for the kingdom of God. So I think if if I could bring this down to the ground, so like, what does this mean for our community? Um, And talk about that for a moment. Um, I'll also preface this by saying, sometimes there's a temptation for me to be up here in front of you guys and and give the facade that I have like mastery over something that we're talking about. And it's just wickedness in my own heart, first of all. But if, if I'm not careful to like constantly break that down, you'll think that I understand this all and I'm practicing it well. And this is an area that I'm, I really need some help, really need God to come in and help me break down some walls. But I think if I could just sort of speak to our community, just as our pastor, know that I'm saying this in the mirror to myself as well. Um, I think Paul's saying that there is not a reality where we're just sort of like going through life individually, like me and God, spiritually, just me and God, just kind of trucking through life and every once in a while showing up a room with some people that are exactly like me. I think that reality is not one that God would really like endorse and say, that's a picture of my community. That's a picture of my church. Our church should not be a place that, you know, we talk about our open house. It shouldn't be like a country club where everyone's sort of the same, has the same background, same socioeconomic class, live in the right neighborhood, same education. I don't think that's what God wants for this community. Um, I think the vision for God for ethos is to be more than a bunch of young white adults, like young adults, right? Uh, God would see diversity in age and gender and race uh, and background. And even more than the external piece that that our, our internal prejudices would be done away with, would be broken down. So I know that's no small task. Like that vision is like way up in the clouds, hard to achieve. Um, And I was just like overwhelmed with that a little bit this week. Uh, It's just hard to know how to take steps in that area. And and so I don't have a ton of experience in how to move us forward, but here's what you can be confident in. Um, We care about this as a church because we care about God, because we care about this community. Um, We should care about this 
And, and we're gonna have some conversations over the coming seasons to figure out how to take real steps in this area. Um, I talked to several pastors and churches that have taken big steps in terms of racial diversity in their churches. And it's like, it's a hard journey. It's a difficult thing to do. And um, so I don't have like a 10 step plan for the next like two years to like perfectly integrate um, all of this into our community. Um, We are having conversations and we are trying to take some steps. And uh, at the risk of sounding a little trite and a little like surface level, I do wanna give us some really practical uh, steps that we can take, even if we don't have this like way to like have a silver bullet that fixes it all for our community. So um, here's just a couple practical things I was thinking about this week. Um, Number one, when you come in this place every week, welcome people. Like be a welcoming presence to those that come into this space. It's called the practice of hospitality in the scriptures. You know, the loneliest place can often be a room full of people that you don't know. And particularly those that come in and are different than us. Let's get to know people and hear their stories. Invite them to lunch after worship. Take the initiative to be a welcoming presence in this community. Um, and that, that's up to us all. You know, I can't, I can't create that in here. We, we all have to buy in to that vision. Um, secondly, um, don't be afraid uh, to invite people from different ethnic and racial backgrounds into your house church, into your lives, and into this community. Um, don't, don't be afraid to do that. Um, not because we're trying to be diverse for the sake of it, to like have the token racially, racially diverse person. Like that's not what we're after, but we do wanna reflect God's community here. And we have to uh, take steps to, to wanna embrace that. And also to go the other way, to like us, white people in the room, to put ourselves in situations where we're the racial minority. Like what a crazy thought that I don't usually take part in. You know, what does it look like for us to embrace our differences with one another? You know, I, was, I saw this uh, yesterday, you know, I was at the golf course. I love playing golf. It's like one of my favorite things to do in the world. And I was hitting some balls out on the, the driving range and, I was like the only person out there. And these two, um, what I would assume Israeli women with you know, the hijab were, were walking by, I assume they live close. And um, they, they were just sort of laughing, have a, having a conversation. And, and I think normally, um, having not had this text sitting in my heart all week, I don't think I would have been demeaning or judgmental or prejudiced toward them, but I, I would have noticed the differences more than the similarities. I, I, I would have noticed all the things that separated me from these two women and not the things that united us, like, like the image of God in both of us, right? And they, they actually came by and wanted to like, they had never hit a golf ball before and they were wanting to use my clubs to hit a golf ball. And I was like, I mean, sure, like you can try, like don't throw it out on the, and you know, so I was trying to like teach them and we were laughing and like cutting up and, and they were terrible and they almost broke one of my clubs. But, um, but it was this like moment where, where my eyes were opened to like, I didn't speak the same language as them. Uh, I didn't look the same. I would assume we have completely different religious backgrounds. But I, I was so heightened. My heart was so open to the similarities between me and these two other humans that like have the image of God in them, to have like a meaningful interaction. And I think that's, that's part of us breaking down some of the walls that exist inside of our own hearts that we don't normally pay attention to, that, that we just sort of notice differences and we, and we are more comfortable in our own our own spots, rather than being open to interacting with people that are different than us. So that's the second one. And then the third one um, is that we pray. Uh, we desperately, desperately need God's help. 
Like to go forward with discernment and wisdom, we, we desperately need the help of God to lay down our prejudices, our, our pride, and we need wisdom going forward. So um, in just a moment, I wanna lead us through a communal prayer uh, in just a moment. So um, as we do that, I wanna go ahead and invite you guys to get communion and, and come back to your seats and hold on to it. We're gonna take it together today. So you can go ahead and stand up and, and, and go to the communion tables in the back, literally in the back today, and come back to your seat uh, and you can sit down. And I'll lead us through a prayer. So I, I have a prayer prepared for us to sort of pray communally. Um, and there's just a simple phrase that whenever I kind of motion for you to participate, that you'll repeat all together with me. And that phrase is reconcile us, O Christ, by your cross. So reconcile us, O Christ, by your cross. Pretty uh, pretty easy. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna read um, a few sections um, and then uh, I'll enter into the time where we'll have sort of a call and response, okay? Um, this is a communal thing we desire and it's a communal thing that we pray. So our Father, we have built up walls to protect ourselves from others. But those walls also shut us off from receiving your love. God, would you break down those walls in us? Help us to see the way to your heart is through reconciliation of our hearts with other people. Bless them and us that we may come to grow in love from each other and for you through Jesus. This is where I'll invite you to respond. Uh, reconcile us, O Christ, by your cross. So across the barriers that divide race from race, Reconcile us, O Christ, by your cross. Across the barriers that divide rich from poor, reconcile us, O Christ, by your cross. Across the barriers that divide people of different cultures, reconcile us, O Christ, by your cross. Across the barriers that divide Christians, reconcile us, O Christ, by your cross. And finally, across the barriers that divide men and women, young and old, reconcile us, O Christ, by your cross. Confront us, God, with the hidden prejudices and fears that deny and betray our prayers. Enable us to see the causes of strife and remove us from all senses of superiority. Teach us to grow in unity with all your creation. You know, as the text says that the blood of Christ is the, is the peace. Um, he himself is our peace that removes the dividing walls of hostility. Uh, so today I wanna invite you to take the bread and the juice, hold it out in front of you. And, uh, these are tangible representations of the, the sacrifice of Christ that has not only forgiven us from our sin, but united us with other people. So um, I invite you to repeat after me, reconcile us with your body. Reconcile us with your body and take the bread. And the, 
The juice likewise represents the blood of Christ that is our peace between us and God and other people. So you repeat after me, reconcile us by your blood. Reconcile us by your blood and take the juice. So I invite you to stand. Uh, we're gonna continue in worship. Uh, Jared is gonna continue leading us. Um, and um, if you wanna pray, if you have anything that you're dealing with, Right now in life, physical pain, spiritual...